Hi, ladies. Uh, my name is Alyssa Shetler, and uh, today we are going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. My plan is to take you through this chapter and to speak to you about the heart of our God. I want to encourage you, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.12, to fight the good fight of the faith. Now, before I begin, I want you to think back to your life before Jesus. Think of a person, or maybe it was several people, who helped you come to know Christ. What were some of their personality traits? 2 Corinthians 10.1 says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. One of the first things Paul mentions in verse 1 are two personality traits of our mighty God, his meekness and his gentleness. Merriam-Webster defines meekness as a mild, moderate, humble, or submissive quality, and gentleness as the quality of having a generally kind and agreeable manner. It's pretty wild to think that the same God who has the power to create and even destroy our entire universe with just a thought is also characterized as being meek and gentle. On a side note, I was watching uh, Veggie Tales with my daughter today, the Noah's Ark episode, and um, she she asked, why is it flooding? Because there's all this water coming up. And um, it's just, it's crazy to think that the God that can do that is also meek and gentle. Now think back to the person who brought you to Christ. Would you consider them as being meek and gentle? For me, that person was my mom. She was and is one of the most gentle and meek people I know. I believe he would be proud of her and that someday he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now think of yourself. Are you meek? Are you gentle? We cannot expect to bring people to Jesus if we are acting in ways that are uncharacteristic of him. But more on that in a few minutes. So moving on, in verse 2, Paul is defending himself against people who are claiming that he is walking according to the flesh. In verses 3 and 4, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. In Galatians, Paul tells us what it means to walk in the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, that was Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Ephesians 2, 3 to 5 paints another picture of walking in the flesh. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the, of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Again, that was Ephesians 2, 3 to 5. Does that not describe who you were before the Lord saved you? I know it describes who I was without him. Knowing all this, we can see why Paul took this accusation of walking in the flesh so seriously. Like all of us who have been saved by the grace of God, we no longer act according to the flesh. As Paul says in verse 4, we now have divine power to destroy strongholds. So what does this mean? 
What are the spiritual weapons Paul was referring to that destroy the attacks of the enemy? As I was reading to this, my mind went right to the armor of God, which can be found in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Written again by, you guessed it, Paul. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Sound familiar? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on the armor of God, or we'd be here a lot longer than we all have time for. Um, but I would like to point out that these weapons that the Lord has provided us with are not weapons at all in the sense that the world thinks. They are not to physically punish disobedience or to get our way. In John 18, 36, and I just want to encourage you while I'm here to um, make sure that when I give you a scripture, you check, um, or when anybody does for that matter, um, go ahead and check it out so that you know it's it's correct. Um, because as I was um, preparing this, I realized I wrote John 1863, and that does not exist. So always make sure you're checking up um, on people and making sure things are where they say they are. Um, just, uh, I know Pastor Tim has always told us that and it always sticks with me. Um, but anyway, in John 18, 36, Jesus tells us himself, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. The armor of God does not prepare us for a traditional battle, but a spiritual one. It prepares us in the total opposite manner of the stereotypical soldier. Rather than physical attacks, we are humble, and our fight is a fight that confront, confronts the lies of the enemy with truth spoken in love. We fight by putting on the armor of God. We strive to be more like him and to tell others about him so that they might be saved and then make more disciples. Now in verses five and six, Paul says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every cap thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your, obe when your obedience is complete. So just sit with that for a moment. Imagine how our lives would look if we truly took every thought captive to obey Christ. Every single thought. Proverbs 4.23 advises us on this saying, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. We can't, however, take every thought captive to obey Christ if we do not know what Christ asks of us. We need to take the time to put our armor on. 
We need to know the truth so when the lies do come, we are ready to destroy them. We need to remember Luke 6.45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What is abundant in your heart? I always share the story again about my mom. She is just an amazing, godly woman. Some of you may have heard it before. Uh, in the story, there is a tray of brownies. They all look and smell amazing, and you want to eat them. But here's the catch. They have just a little bit of poop in them. Do you still eat them? I'm hoping your answer is no. Just like we don't want something in our bodies that is disgusting, we need to have the same view when it comes to our hearts and minds. If we are putting garbage into our hearts, that is what will come out. So take your thoughts captive. Be obedient to Christ. Maybe we shouldn't be watching a certain TV show or reading a certain book or spending time with somebody um, that, that just doesn't bring you closer to Christ. Do as Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 say, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. We need to be reading our Bibles, speaking with God often, replay the fruit of the spirit in your head throughout the day, meditate on them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all traits of Jesus. I, um, I had, uh, when I was growing up, we participated in, it was called kids life. And I had a Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Rundle. Um, and we would sing this song and Mrs. Limblad was there as well, actually. She uh, led the whole kid's life thing. And um, they really kind of tossed this into my brain and it just stuck. There's a song about the fruits of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I can remember both of those women just singing that um, and really sowing that into our hearts. But we really should be striving for these because these fruits once grown, allow us to be godly soldiers. Now, again, think of that person who brought you to Jesus. Did this person exude these qualities, these fruits of the spirit? I know my mom does, and all the glory goes to our Lord. Let's read verses 7 to 11 together. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter, when absent, we do in present. Now, the first thing I want to point out is the Lord gave Paul authority for building up not tearing down. Back in verse six, Paul talks about punishing disobedience only, quote, when your obedience is complete, unquote. What, uh, what we need to remember is that the Corinthians claimed to belong to Christ. We are not to punish or cast judgment upon those who do not belong to Christ. Even if we do approach someone who does belong to Christ, there is a tactful way to do it, and it does not involve tearing someone down. But building them up. Those should be our intentions. Galatians 6.1 instructs, instructs us, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual 
should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. There's that character trait of Jesus again. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. It is so easy to get caught up in another person's sin that we forget to keep an eye on our own, isn't it? How do we behave on social media? How do we carry ourselves around others, both non-Christian and Christian alike? How do we speak to the people in our home? How do we treat strangers? What are we doing when no one else is watching? Now, thankfully, Jesus does not expect us to defeat this sin on our own, and he is with us every step of the way if we just ask him. In verse 12, Paul says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. The Corinthians were missing the point. Instead of yearning to be more like Jesus, they were competing with one another. We are not in competition with, with each other, not with our friends to see who can make the most meals for people or serve in the most ministries. Our aim should be to please the Lord and to become more like him. That should be our drive, not what we look like to others or how we measure up to others. So how do we do this? Thankfully, God always provides instructions for us. Colossians 3 verses 12 to se through 17 say, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word to be the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. Wrapping up, let's read the last section, verses 13 through 18. But we will not boast beyond limits but will only boast with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. Now, there are a couple things going on in these verses. In verse 13, Paul brings up his area of influence. Now, we need to remember that, by the grace of God, Paul was the one who planted the Corinthian church. In these verses, Paul calls out the Corinthians for taking credit for things that they simply did not do. They were boasting in Paul's accomplishments with selfish intentions. Now, at first I read this and I thought Paul was being a bit harsh. And it almost seemed to me like he was boasting in himself. Um, for those of you who listened to Eden's talk last week, um, she mentioned struggling with um, with Paul a little bit. And I, I've had that same struggle. Um, sometimes she just kind of seems like a big jerk. But um, after quite a bit of prayer... In some input from Susan, I realized Paul did not call the Corinthians out to say, hey, look at what I did. Quit taking credit for my work. But 
to say, hey, I love you. Keep your eyes on Jesus and preach the gospel so that we can share the good news with others and spread the love of Jesus. He deeply loved the Corinthians and he deeply loved our Lord. So he did confront the Corinthians on this issue, not with selfish intent, but to bring the glory back to the Lord and to boast in him and to just make sure that the Corinthians were not going on a different path that they should not be taking. So how do we boast in the Lord? Now, I have never, ever been a morning person. Um, and almost every morning, my mom would come into my room and she would sing, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. And it would make me so angry. But as angry as it made me when she would come in and sing that to me, I am so grateful she did. She was not only sharing her love for him, as we're instructed to do, she was also boasting in the Lord. Don't we know that every good gift and perfect, don't we know that every good gift and every perfect gift is a gift from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change, James 1.17. Um, I also want to point out that, um, back to my mom, she, um, uh, later in my faith, well, or lack thereof, she would always play, um, Christian music in the car whenever we were going somewhere. And I would get so angry at her because my heart was just full of hate. Um, and I would get, I would get mad. I would tell her like, you got to turn this off mom. And, um, she just was so kind and gentle about it, um, even though it must have killed her, I just imagine my own daughter doing this to me. Um, you know, you raise up a child and then they walk away from their faith and it just breaks your heart, I'm sure. Um, but she would still be just gentle with me and she would continue to pour that love into me even when I really, truly did not deserve it. Um, but back to the point, um, I'm just I'm just very thankful that, that God made her my mother. Um, she's just wonderful. Um, and the glory goes to him. Um, we're boasting in him through through each other and what we do. But each day is a gift from our creator, our creator who thankfully never changes. He is a constant light in a dark world because he is the only thing that never changes in a world that is always changing. He is good. He loves us. He is meek. He is gentle. He is powerful. And he came to earth to die for us so that we could spend an eternity with him. So how can we not give him all the glory every day? God's word, of course, puts it better than I ever could. So I'll close with two snippets of scripture, one from the Old Testament and one from the New, just as a reminder that our God never changes, not even from Old to New Testament. First is from Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boasts in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Then 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 30 says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing not things that are, 
so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. That is all I have for you today. So I'm just going to end with some prayer and um, then you can all be on your way. Um, Dear Lord, thank you so much um, for what you have revealed to me through 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, And I pray that um, anyone who is listening would um, come to know you more through this um, and just come to love you and to share you with other people. Um, I pray that we would be good disciples. Sorry about my son coughing in the background. I pray that we would be good disciples and um, that others would be able to see how much we love you through our actions and what we do. Thank you so much for loving us. Jesus name. Amen. Yeah, you can tell it's fine. I mean, I'm still on, but. Wow. It coughs so bad during that. Oh, gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring her to Christian's. Really? I don't know if I'm supposed to hang up or not. I don't know if I'm supposed to hang up or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I should call it or what? Left for like two hours. That's good. Hi, I'm all done. Yeah. You're welcome. Should I just exit out then? Yep. I'm going to stop it.